Rusty, so I'm going to be here on the lectern. Thank you. I went to visit a senior citizen in a nursing home a few years ago, and when I got there, there were several people eating together, I guess, at lunchtime, and so I just kind of plopped down, and we're talking with our church member, and, but, but also with a lot of her friends. And I remember our church member, who was, like I said, in her early 90s, saying to me, you know, you, you really, really look young. And I, I appreciated that, you know. I've always looked a little young for my age. When I was in my 20s, I uh, would go to the high school games, as Corey does, and try to visit with our kids. And they'd try to give me a student ticket, and I'd say, no. No, I didn't say no. I'm a cheap preacher. Yeah, thanks. And I'd get my little $2 ticket instead of my $3 ticket and walk in. But then somebody beside her said, not just young looking, you're really, you're really good looking. I started to get a little bit creeped out, you know, <laughs> a little nervous. But then I, I, I was reminded of that story because last week when I walked in this room at one of the, one of the greatest, if greater, if not the greatest Sunday of the Christian calendar on Easter, just so ready to worship with you all, I walked in and one of you all said to me, I saw on social media where you posted about your anniversary and I saw your wedding picture. It was a great picture. And I said, well, thank you so much for that. And then he said, man, you, you, you sure have swole up since then. <laughs> I'm going with the 95-year-olds and uh, what they said about me. And that's what we can do. We can, we can hear a word of discouragement. It's just good guy fun. But we can hear a word of discouragement, and it can break us. We all need encouragement. So I hope this is a helpful word. As I think about when I was a student and the struggles I went through, the risks I did to, to find approval from other people. And adults, if we're honest, we can still struggle with that today. To be noticed, to be validated, to feel important. And so we look at Jesus' baptism. Now, a year and a half ago, we looked at this text and we noted some wonderful things here about the character and the nature of Jesus and who he is. And I encourage you to go back to that and what baptism means. I want to encourage you to, uh, to go back there. But here we're reminded, can I just say this too? We were blessed yesterday. Our, our son, our middle child, Seth, got engaged and his, his uh, girlfriend is Baptist. Their family is Baptist. Uh, so partly I picked this text too because they're going to come to late service and I just want them to know we're not scared to talk about baptism. So anyway. <laughs> but I want us to go back to this text again because for our students, but also for us, it's a needed word. A needed word about approval. So four things uh, we want to look at together this morning. First, Jesus gave a needed word to them. His baptism, as we said in a sermon a year and a half ago, we talked a little bit about his identification with us. It's, it's a word saying to them from the get-go that I am all in it with you all. Verse 4 reminds us, this baptism that John the, Bapti ba John the Baptist was doing was a baptism of repentance. Did the Lord Jesus Christ need this baptism? He did not. He who knew no sin became his sin for us, right? He didn't need to repent. So why would you submit yourself to this? Why would you 
demean yourself. You're the very son of God who's become in flesh because I have become in flesh. And it was a needed word that they needed to hear, that God had reached down and I am all in it with you. I've shared this story once before, but I was, I was in Russia and had the opportunity when I was serving at Christ Methodist Church, they had a sister church there. I had the opportunity to do some street preaching. I was kind of excited to do that. We were in the Sochi-Adler area. Now, when you think about that, you think about the Olympics being there. When I think about it, I realize that it is, it is a highly concentrated area uh, of Muslims. And so I was asked to do street preaching there. And so there I am in this, this huge area, this public area, preaching to the crowds from Luke 15 about how the father races to his children to receive him, if they'll repent and come home. And as I'm preaching that, not one, not two, but three or four very large Muslim men began to surround me. And they began to shout things at me that I have no idea what they said. And to be honest, I don't want to know uh, the words that they were shouting at me. And in that moment, I remember being very nervous and also a little scared. What do I do right now? And so I looked across that area to the very back wall there by this big building, and it was the preacher of the church, Vladimir Konsinyevich. And I just kind of looked at him in desperation. What do I do? And I remember him giving me the international man sign. What's the one nonverbal sign that every man do, all men do when we meet each other? There it is. So, <laughs> but that's what he did. He just did this. And I just kind of looked at him back like, are you sure? And he went, we're in this. Do this. I'm with you. So we just kept on preaching. Now, it could have been the quality of the preaching. Those guys finally said, we're out of here. And they left me alone. I, I needed to know, what do I do? Are you with me? We're all here. Keep going. This is a word to these people as they watched the Lord. They didn't fully understand. But as they watched him, they see he's in this with us. Now, ultimately, our, our approval comes in the cross. And we'll talk about that when we close. But what a great signed to them, Jesus is in it with them. It was a needed word for them. But secondly, and I want to flip this, what we see in Jesus' baptism is that Jesus needed a word from God. You, you, we think about this, 30 years we think Jesus is, about 30 years old when he sets out to do his public ministry, and this is when it begins. It's baptism, then it's temptation, and then three years of public ministry, and then a cross. And you know, in hearing me preach on Mark's gospel, this is when the clock starts. The cross is always on Jesus' mind. You, you, can't, you can't get it off his mind, and you can't get it off of Mark's mind. You even see it here, where Mark says immediately. It's a word that I think comes up 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 times in the gospel of Mark. More than any other gospel or book in the entire Bible, two, three, four times more. It's a book that's always moving. It's a book that's always racing. Why? Because Jesus came for the cross. And so you have very little teaching in Mark's gospel. And, 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 and you, you just have this push throughout, get him to the cross. It's always on Jesus' mind. I think I'd shared before, I was at a, I think a Cub Scout banquet as a young kid. And as soon as that banquet, st banquet started, 
they handed me a plate, and my father, knowing me so well, said a very encouraging word that I needed to hear. Don't drop that plate. <laughs> I was probably 90 seconds into holding that thing before I dropped it and broke it, right? My father comes immediately up to me to help clean it up, but whispers in my ear, when we get home, there'll be some discipline. Now listen, that, that was a great banquet. It was wonderful food. I was with so many of my great friends. You think I thought about any of that? No. Every moment I was thinking about my impending doom when I got home. That shadow is over every sentence in Mark's gospel. This is a race to get to the cross. The cross is always on the mind of Christ, and Mark picks that up. It's a race to get to the cross. And because of that, what a needed word. You. You are my beloved son. And in you, I am well pleased. What a word for Jesus at this moment. A moment when he desperately needs a word of encouragement because the clock for the cross has started. And then the very next thing, what a word of encouragement to fill him because he's going to have these days of fasting and, and, and out in the wilderness and then, then he's going to face down the very father of lies. Encouragement before, he faces them down. I'll let you read later in Mark's gospel what happens right after the wilderness temptation. It's just like the father. He sends angels to his son to minister to him. And then when you get to really the turning point in Mark's gospel, at the transfiguration, where he, Jesus has taken his, his disciples to the northernmost point, and there's the transfiguration, and from that point on, it's basically a death march to Jerusalem. It's a straight shot. They move to Jerusalem for Holy Week. And what is it that the Father says at the transfiguration when Jesus needs another word as he's about to start that journey to the cross? This is my beloved son. Listen to him. It's just like the Father to give us a word when we need a word. I hope you hear that word today. If you're struggling and you've been trying to squeeze that approval from this world, I hope you hear that word today and allow the Father to speak because of the cross and that sign to us that we are incredibly and infinitely loved by the Father. I hope, I hope you'll hear it. If you feel distant from God, I hope you'll hear it. Or if you've been chasing after the affirmation of this world, I hope you'll repent of that and say, Lord, I, I want to get that word from you. And that's the third point. Our last point we said was that Jesus needed a word from God. Well, here's the third point. Jesus needed a word from God. It had to be from God. It, it had to be from him. It, it matters the person that gives you that word. Now, other people's voices matter. We'll close with that. Ask, ask David about his life when he was in desperate need and what Jonathan gifted to him. And then ask him about his life after Jonathan's death when it, when it all goes to ruin. And then ask David about his life when finally Nathan will step into his life and give him a word of truth when it's needed. Ask Mary about just this mind-blowing responsibility of bringing in the very son of God and then racing to Elizabeth and the encouragement she, she received just when she needed it most. We'll close with that. 
but it's a good word to us to make sure you and I are doing the word, being in his word, being in either a covenant group or a, a small group or a Sunday school class and studying the word with others so that the encouragement we get, the approval we get, we make sure it's from God and not from this world. It is so tempting to let just other people do our work for us and listen to the crowds and to listen to others. That's not enough. Listen, go back in this passage. What, is, what does John the Baptist say? He says some very sweet things to Jesus. We'll talk about it in just a second. But that's not enough. He needs to hear from his father. And as we think about when we feel inadequate and we just don't feel approved and we are struggling with esteem, find it first in God. That's what Jesus does. You can't miss that in Jesus' life. I wonder, I wonder the pressure. As Jesus is in the flesh, I wonder the pressure to cave into the crowds. Because listen, Jesus drew crowds. It's, you do the right things, you can get the crowds to follow you. And they followed him for a season until in John 6 when he started talking about blood and eating his flesh. And he talked about death. Not only did they all run, but in verse 66 of that passage, you've got Jesus saying, what about you guys? What about my closest friends? Are you going to leave me too? He could have listened to the crowds. He could have, he could have listened to the, to the political groups who all wanted God to work through the nation. He could have done that. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He's the lion of Judah. He could have come by force and all these guys would have been so pleased. Or he could have listened to the religious legalists and jumped through all their hoops and tried to control God and please them. He wouldn't play. But here's some of the harder things. Do you feel the pressure from your town? Or what about your hometown to measure up to what your hometown wants? Is that what you're living for? Jesus could have fallen for that. Do you remember what Mark says in just a few chapters from here? Jesus couldn't or, couldn't or really didn't do a lot of miracles in, in, that, in that chapter. You know why? Because of his hometown and their lack of faith. If he'd have fallen for what those around him, his hometown said, he would have missed. And he even begins to miss here what he can do in people's lives. And even harder than that, maybe the hardest of all is family. There's something very right about honoring your mother and your father. So don't miss me here. We have to do that throughout our whole lives. It changes when we marry, but we do that throughout our whole lives. There's something beautiful from the very first pages of Scripture to the last pages of Scripture of the importance of family. Don't miss me when I say this. But later in Mark's Gospel, your mother and your brothers are here. Who are my mother and who are my brothers? His brothers didn't believe at this point. It's the father that I need to find my approval from. It's the Father that I need to find my encouragement from. And maybe we have been tempted to chase all those groups and to live how they've called us to live, and a lot of times it's wonderful. Don't miss me, we're going to close with that. But it's got to be the Father first. Or as Jesus says later in John's Gospel, He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. That's what's first and foremost on Jesus' mind and in his heart. 
I can't begin to tell you students how much of my student life I was scrambling for the approval of others. And I tell you what I did, but some of the statute of limitations has not run out on those things. Shame on me for trying to squeeze that out of those people. Shame on me. I was trying to ask them to give me what they could not give. You need to hear it from the Father first. He gives Jesus a word. It's a needed word, but it's a word that needed to be from the Father first. How important it is, our prayer lives. How important it is, uh, uh, our, our study lives. How important it is to be in group studies together. So we're making sure we're hearing a word from the Father in a world that would love to give you its approval and would love to watch you sink. A world that would love to give you its approval and would love to watch you dance for them so you can endorse what they do. The Father comes and gives us a word at the right time, and it's the right word. Now listen, last point. We also need to be a part of that ministry. We need to also give a word from God. Sometimes we want God to speak to us audibly. I love what Dr. John Oswalt said, said this past Wednesday. I hope you'll be with us this Wednesday or watch what he's teaching later. But John Oswalt is a man that I've known for probably 25 years and I believe he walks intimately with God. But what he confessed this past Wednesday night on our study was, I've never heard an audible word from God. The closest he got, the closest he ever got was just a year and a half ago when Dr. Nyhoff of Wesley Biblical Seminary, their president, died. John felt as though God was saying to him, he woke him up, John, go and serve that seminary. But it wasn't audible. And John and Oswald went on in that study to say, we yearn for a heaven-splitting voice. Jesus was gifted it that day at his baptism. We don't always get that. Some of you have been blessed with that. Some of us have not. So we need to seek his word because that's where the Father reveals himself and his will. But also, I love, and Jesus does this, you see this throughout scripture, how critical it can be to receive that word from others. If you and I want to be Christian friends, especially for students where we're we're scrambling, I say especially for students, adults, we're all scrambling for approval and attention. How important it is then as the body of Christ to have studied the word and to know what the Father says so that we can be very clear and careful with what we say to our friends in Christ. I love what, I love what John said. Now think about this, John the Baptist. Jesus would say of John the Baptist, of anyone ever born of a woman, there's not been anybody greater on the planet. Now think about that. Deborah the judge. Isaac, Isaac, Isaac the, the son of Abraham. Isaiah the prophet. All those people who love God and serve God at great risk, none of them are as great as John the Baptist. You know what he says? I love what he says. I can't get down and do something that in that culture in that day was considered really unclean. I mean, for Jesus to have washed feet was unthinkable. No wonder Peter pushed back from that. You don't do that, Jesus. And John the Baptist, greater than anyone ever born of a woman, John the Baptist says, I can't even stoop down and untie, untie the, the, your sandal. I'm not worthy of that. What a word for Jesus in that moment.
Now, ultimately, we need to hear it. We need to get it from the Father first. But I love that John gifts that word to Jesus. And it's critical for you and I to be able to give that word to others. In a, in a world where we're bombarded by commercials that say we're not good enough, in a world of social media that says you, you just your life's not exciting enough, you don't look good enough, we are bombarded by negative everywhere we go. And so our friends and even we are tempted to give in to that. We need a clear and careful word from God. Will you release that word to a world that definitely, definitely needs to hear it. In 2016, in the spring, my wife went by herself to Brazil. Now, the summer before that, she and my last church had been to serve a shade and fresh water uh, project in Sao Paulo, Brazil. But Sarah had a medical issue the day uh, before the trip, and so she couldn't go. And so we went without our interpreter. We were trusting the Lord in that in the summer of 2015, but Sarah still had her ticket. And so she went back to that church during spring break of 2016 to serve at that church, to encourage them, and to bless them. Uh, that's also uh, was a year of struggle for us because we believe we had received a word from God that it was time to leave the church where we were. And we loved that church. We loved that community. The church loved us and wanted us to stay. But we felt that for family reasons, some other reasons, it was, it was a season to move. And this was early. This was before appointment season really started that we talked with the bishop. And so we were throwing, you never do this politically. We threw our names out there early to the bishop said, we just feel the Lord sensing us, us to move. And we wanted to let you know that ahead of time. And so it was a really nervous and anxious time for us, not knowing if we could get anywhere close to where our family is in the Jackson area. And, uh, and throwing our names out so early because they could put you anywhere. And uh, she was on that trip in Sao Paulo trying to be a blessing to others. And a woman pulled her aside. And this woman said to Sarah, you're not trusting God. She said, excuse me? You're not trusting God. I sense that you're not trusting God to give you the desires of your heart. And I want to pray with you that you'll trust him. Would you pray with me? And so there, she put her hands on Sarah and prayed over her. And within minutes of that prayer, I called Sarah and I said, we're going to Madison UMC. God is good. He's putting us there. He's putting us near family. Um, that woman stepped up and spoke into my wife's heart where she needed to hear it. How can you and I do that for others? I'm in the middle of reading a book, I told you last week, by Tim Tennant, called For the Body, about how we're supposed to glorify God with our bodies. And in that, he even makes the point, that's why God gifts us bodies. So our feet will get to people in need. So our hands will serve people in need. So our ears will listen to people who are hurting. So our eyes will cry with those who need to be wept with. And so our mouths will speak what God needs to speak into other people's lives. Are you willing? How are you in your prayer life and in your study life seeking the word and counsel of God so that you can give to somebody at their important place of need to hear approval? I love that God's so free with approval. 
that you and I can look at the cross and know, even though we are, as John the Baptist said with Jesus, we're unworthy, we look at the cross and we know he thought we were worthy to die for. We still need to repent and believe. Don't miss me there. But he thought we were worth dying for. And then even in Jesus' life, here at the baptism, he's done nothing. He's not done a miracle. He's not preached a great sermon. He's not gone to his cross. He's simply coming to baptism. Before he does anything, what does the Father say? You are my child, and in you I am well pleased. I pray that you know the encouragement of God today, that you'll let him speak into your places of pain or struggle or anxiety as you and I are fighting off the crowds as you and I are fighting off the compromise, as you or I having to do that hard work to discern, are these people really giving me the voice of God? But then what a gift that you and I can gift that to others, to be that kind of friend, to be that kind of brother and sister in Christ, that we will do the hard work and step up and say a word when it needs to be said. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for what we see in your son Jesus at his baptism, that he, he was all in it with us. We need to know that, that he is with us and for us. Father, I thank you that you spoke a word when he needed to hear it. And I pray for all of us in this room and those who are watching that we would be open to hear clearly what you desire to share with all of us. May we hear your encouragement and approval. Father, help us to fight off any voices that are not true but also help us to be open to those who are speaking truth to us, to hear what you might be saying through their lives. And, and, and Father, give us the boldness and courage as well as a, a commitment to studying your word so we'll be clear and it'll be from you. Help us to step up and to be your voice to others in need. Thank you for this, your word. Bless now our response to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn. Uh, is in your pew. You can uh, read the words there. We ask that you would take that, that sheet of paper with you as you leave. Uh, for those watching at home, uh, the words will be on the screen, uh, your video screen for you. Our closing hymn is always one of response. So let's stand together as we respond and as we worship.